Mindfulness Mode, 266. The thing that we can control is how we personally respond. And that's about emotional mastery. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode. And you're listening to today's episode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. And hey, could you do me a favor? Just share the info about Mindfulness Mode with your friends. That can really help because I really want to keep on creating two episodes a week, but we just need to spread the word about the show. That can be very, very helpful. Last day on Mindfulness Mode, it was all about blending traditional and alternative healing. That was with my special guest, Michelle Chalfont. So if you missed that episode, check back. Tune into mindfulnessmode.com slash 265. Today, we are talking about bliss. And just saying that word, it just makes me feel relaxed. It makes me feel a little bit calmer. We talked today what, about what does bliss mean? How do you achieve bliss in your life? And my guest talks about building wealth using bliss and being blissful and also being successful at the same time. It was a very interesting conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Monika. Hey, Mindful Tribe. This is going to be such a treat because I am here with a beautiful person with a beautiful smile and she's all about bliss. I'm here with Monika Sawyer. So it's so exciting, Monika, to have you here. Are you in mindfulness mode today, Monika? I am, Bruce, and it's such a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, we just met last week in San Diego at an event, so that was so exciting at the New Media Summit to to meet you and and to learn what you're all about. And, of course, you were generous and handed me your book. So that was wonderful, and I've read it since that time and have really enjoyed it. So I'm thrilled to be able to interview you today. But I want to share a little bit about you, Monika, with Mindful Tribe. So I'm just going to do that right now. Monika Sawyer is the creator of the Blissful Real Estate Investor Formula, and she is the international best-selling author of the award-winning book, which I just held up, called Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. Now, Monika has often been described as one of the most joyful people you will ever meet, and you can see that if you're watching the video and if you're only listening. Let me tell you, it is true joy to look at Monika's smile. She believes that we can and should choose bliss in all areas of our life, including our business and investing. Her expertise has been featured on radio, on TV, including ABC, NBC, Fox. Well, we are going to have a lot of fun talking about bliss. First of all, I just did a little brainstorm a minute ago to think, okay, what do I think of when I think of the word bliss? But I want to know you, what you think of when you think of the word bliss and what it really means to you. 
Yeah, such a good, such a good question, Bruce, because you're right. People think of completely different things around bliss and what does that mean? So for me, it's really that deep sense of joy and contentment in life and the confidence that you can handle anything that life sends your way. And that when you're dealing with challenges, you're able to come back to a place of equilibrium that feels blissful instead of staying in any sadness or anger or emotions that might come up in life. Okay, that makes sense. And I really, uh, I really think it's awesome to have bliss, but as human beings, we have sad times, quiet times, contemplative times. We have times when we are over the top. And so having bliss, understanding about bliss, then we have to understand about those other times too, right? Absolutely. Contrast definitely allows us to appreciate those happy times. And you know, bliss is really about emotional mastery. It doesn't mean that we don't have those other emotions. It simply knows we know how it simply means that we know how to flow in and out of those different places and that our baseline emotion is one of joy and contentment. And speaking of flow, how much of this is about breathing? A really, really good question. So I started yoga when I was seven years old in India. Uh-huh. So, so much of what I do has to do with breath. And I'm so excited that that is a big, big thing that people are talking about now. Because when I was seven, that wasn't true, right? No, no. People didn't <laughs> used to talk about breath and breathing. Exactly. And how important so it was. Of- Yeah. So in a lot of my classes, for instance, um, in one of my workshops, I have a two day workshop after lunch. We don't dance around. We do fire breath. Why? Because it ups the energy and it helps us to focus and it gives our brains the oxygen that it needs to learn. So breath is such a big piece, all the different kinds of breath. You know, whether it's slow to calm us down, it's fire breath to lift us up. Breath is a really big piece of everything that I do. Well, now, Monika, when I brainstormed, I have to tell you, and I don't know if any of our listeners are thinking about this as well, but when I think of bliss, one word that comes into my mind, this is really two words, but it just popped right into my mind, (laughs) sexual bliss. How many people are thinking about bliss related to sex? Like, don't you think that there's a, a part of our mind that goes there as soon as you say the word bliss? That's exactly right. Yes. And that, you know what? Bliss happens in all areas of our life. And I think what's true in the Western world is that we really associate bliss with sex or with a really deep calm, almost like being blissed out or zoned out. So in our culture here, we have kind of a like a polar experience of what bliss looks like. But the reality is that bliss is everything. It's in all areas of your life. It's not just available to us during sex. It's not just available to us when we're zoned out. It's available to us in the entire experience of life. And that's the kind of bliss that I'm talking about. Sure, that's what I was thinking. The other two words were euphoria and ecstasy. You know, it's right. like almost like ecstasy. And then as soon as you say that word, then people think of the bliss that comes from taking maybe drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a bliss that I'm not really particularly familiar with, but I know many people are. And could you speak on that? Is that a good way to achieve bliss? 
So um, such a good question, Bruce, and nobody's ever asked me this on a show before, and I think it's because it's taboo. Um, and when I was talking about being zoned out, I was talking about people feeling like they're, they're doped up, right. you know, so maybe on weed, on ecstasy, on these right. sorts of like, um, mind enhancers. Right. Um, the truth is this, yes, that is a form of bliss. From my experience, it's not sustainable bliss and it's not bliss that really necessarily serves your life. I have no judgment around it, but I do think that from my perspective, if we really want to be able to experience bliss fully in all areas of our life, we need to develop the skills internally to create that bliss and bring it into our relationships, our workouts, our businesses, everything. And if we're relying on outside sources, for instance, drugs or a nice man or a nice car or whatever the drug might be. Right. We don't want to rely on those things because then it's not true bliss. Then it's a circumstantial experience. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking that I personally do not want to depend on a substance. I don't want to eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's so that I'll feel bliss. And some people do. Some people it's food. Some people it's, you know, so many of these substances, which, you know, could be so many things, but you know, then it's not easy then to achieve bliss. Maybe if you're not thinking of substances, what do we move to if we don't want to to become dependent on a substance? We become dependent on our own internal energy. I mean, and this is this is my thing. We cannot control what's going on in the world, right? We cannot right. control what people do. We cannot control what's what's in politics. We can't control those things. But the thing that we can control is how we personally respond. And that's about emotional mastery. And that's what my book is all about, is helping people to develop those skills and strategies so that they are in control. Now they get to control their life. And now if they turn to the Ben and Jerry's or they turn to the nice car or they, you know, are looking for a really good man in my case, right? Not in my case, but as a woman. (laughs) But those things then accentuate and support the bliss that you already experienced. Right. So you're coming to those things from a blissful state. Exactly. In your book, you talk about David and meeting him, your partner, and how at first it wasn't bliss. At first, you know, he was just another man and you didn't even really think of him that way. And then all of a sudden something happened. And uh, it was a beautiful story. And I think that's what makes your book come alive it's what like i just feel your energy lifting right off the pages of that book because of the way you have written it it's written in the style of stories and and anecdotes and uh, you know it's really interesting how you talk about you talk about ego and the importance of ego and uh, can you just talk about that for a second absolutely so the ego has gotten a really bad rap (laughs) And I feel a little bit sad about that because, you know, your ego is a piece of who you are. It is my true deep belief that everything that we are, whether it's our ego, it's our emotions, it's our minds, it's our physicality, those are all resources given to us by God or by source that we can then utilize in our lives to be our very best selves. The problem is that sometimes we get run by any of those things, whether it's the ego, it's our emotions, or it's our minds. We think that that is who we are. 
And we lose track of the fact that we are so multidimensional and we have so many resources. And if you ever turn your back on any one of those pieces, then you're turning your back on a resource that you could utilize to grow your bliss and help the world. Let's talk about grudges. Yes. Because don't they muck up your desire to have bliss? Don't they get all like into your body, into your mind, into your soul? And of course, you have a whole chapter on forgiveness. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. You yeah. really dig into that deeply. Like it's great to think I want to forgive and maybe some of us don't even think that, but how do we do it? Yeah, that's a really, really big topic. But I'd like to say this one thing. There's a Buddhist quote that says not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And I go even further with that. Uh, Holding a grudge, not forgiving, being angry or holding rage, that releases chemicals in your body. Those chemicals are like that poison, but you don't get to die quickly. It poisons you for the rest of your life. You get a slow death and it's horrible. If you imagine doing that that to yourself because of somebody else's mistake, they don't have the right to control you that way. You have the right to take back your control so that you can live joyfully without poisoning yourself because of somebody else's mistakes. Forgiveness is not about somebody else. Forgiveness is about reclaiming control of your own emotional well-being. Right. Well said. I want to talk about palm frit. (laughs) (laughs) and for those of you who have not read the book you'll find out that palm frit is a very special part of Monika's life for a very long time she wanted a dog she wanted a dog and she and David her husband had this little running joke going on and you can read about it in the book but finally she did get a beautiful little Pomeranian dog is your dog mindful? Do you learn mindfulness from Palm Frit? Because we're talking all about mindfulness today, and I love to bring pets into it. Yeah. Palm Frit has the most amazing... You're going to make me cry, actually. This is one topic that I, will, I get all teared up about. Palm Frit is the most soul little being I have ever met in my life. I look in his eyes, and it's like I see the universe. He's just beautiful. And he um, has been through his own tragedies. He was a rescue dog. Um, he was a therapy dog and lost his human. So Pomfrey himself has had to, um, you know, I, I wonder if I project onto him, but I feel like he has really had to go through his own process to become to really come into himself. And so he's come to me with so much strength. You know, and the thing that's amazing about animals, and I feel this so deeply with Pomfrit, is they really, really don't understand anything except unconditional love. They come to you fully open, fully loving. And as humans, unfortunately, we have a hard time experiencing love that way. And he's really taught me what that's about and, and to have that experience and to want to be a person that can do that. He makes me a better person. And speaking of 
palm free and speaking of mindfulness i always ask at the top of the show what does mindfulness mean to you and today i ask about bliss but what does mindfulness mean to you monica mindfulness is about um being true to yourself it's about being fully present and alive in life and it's about allowing yourself to have the experience of fully living Right. And so with that, I want to talk with you about the other side of living, which is a little bit taboo as well, and that is death. How will you deal with it when Palm Frit passes? Tell us about that, because we all have to experience these kinds of things and know how to do it. And how does bliss feed into this? It's That's a really, really hard for one for me to speak to. I have... Um, I want to be really, really honest. I've lost humans in my life, and mm-hmm. it has been difficult. Um, I have never felt a connection like what I feel with Palm Freight. And I think that, in truth, bliss is a journey for me, too. I'm always learning how to live better, how to right. experience it better. And I think that that will be one of those challenges that will teach me about really, truly what bliss can look like, even in the face of a huge heartbreak. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. I know I've got the tools, and I will strengthen those tools or develop new tools to get through that. Um, Because I also know that when you have unconditional love for somebody, you don't want them hurting when you leave. Um, And I will have to find a way to honor that for him. Right. I think... It's a huge area to discuss, and I think it's so important to discuss that when it comes to mindfulness and understand that there are going to be times when we will not feel a sense of bliss. Mm -hmm. And is that okay, Monica? Absolutely. We are humans, and we are forever changing and forever evolving, and we have a huge range of emotions that we have access to, and not living those emotions means that we're not living fully. And that's what mindfulness is about is living fully. Just don't stay in those sad emotions because they don't serve you. Right. right? Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Now, you work in the field of real estate mm-hmm. and you like to bring, bring bliss into that world. And yes. how can we be a real estate investor and be, sometimes it takes a lot of serious thought and serious intensity, but how can we couple that with bliss? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that. So um, let me just give you a little bit of a backstory. My parents um, came to this country with only $200 in their pocket. Wow. And they built a real estate empire Empire, I love that word, but anyway, so so that they could send their girls to school, pay for the weddings, be the kinds of people in the world that they wanted to be, donate to causes, that sort of thing. However, in order to build that wealth, my dad suffered a lot of stress. Like you say, it's a lot of intensity. And when you think about owning real owning rental properties, people will often think about having terrible tenants. We've all heard the horror stories, right? The tenants and fixing the houses and blah, 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 all this stuff, right? Um, Some people are like, I'm not a numbers person, right? Um, But here's the thing. So when I eventually decided that I wanted to follow in daddy's footsteps and build my own real estate um, fortune, um, I did not want to do it in a way that caused me stress. I felt like for him, 
real estate sucked the life out of him. And for me, what I really wanted was for real estate to support the joy of my life. So I've created systems that help me to have the emotional mastery so that when things go wrong and I have challenges or I'm trying to make difficult decisions, I have access to that. Some of it does include breathing, that sort of thing. I've also created systems so that I can, I have the kinds of relationships that support my business. So I have really good relationships with my tenants, with my vendors. I love the people that I work with. And so for me, it's really been about bringing that blissful philosophy into a business that's usually just not very blissful, right? those tools are what you teach in your blissful real estate investor formula, is that right? Can you tell us a couple more of your tools? Okay, so um, I I have a whole system about training tenants so that they do the maintenance um, so that I don't have to, so they are really- Hey, 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 stop right there. This is too cool for words. Training who? Training the tenants? Yes. Oh yes. man, like I've never heard of this before. This like this sounds radical. How do you train the tenants? I mean, the tenants come, they are in the driver's seat. The tenants expecting to be taken care of. How are you flipping this scene upside down? Tenants want a nice house. If you can provide them a really really lovely home at a decent price and tell them that this is their home, and give them the autonomy to live their way, they will want to take care of the house. They don't want their landlord um, breathing down their necks, right? Now, there are people, I set these expectations when I interview my tenants. If they are not into that, like they want their landlord handling everything, then they're just not my tenant. So what what sorts of things are you going to expect me to do as a tenant? If if we were having an interview right now, Monica, I really like that apartment. I think I would like to rent it from you. What would you say? So what I would just say is that's really, really good. And the way that I run my properties is I want to make sure that it feels like your home because if it's your, if you feel like it's your home, you're going to stay longer and, and I want you to stay. So this is how we work things. If anything goes wrong with the house, you don't need to call me and wait for me to respond. You don't need to wait for me to get my guys. You get to react immediately and create the, the solution that you're most comfortable with. So for the first two or three times that something goes wrong in the house, We will work together to find a solution so you know what I expect and how I normally do this. I've got a lot of property so I can help you to figure out a system that will be easy to deal with. And then after that, you deal with things the way that you want to, that meet the standards so that your house stays really, really nicely. And then you just send me a text, let me know what's going on, and you take whatever your cost is out of the rent check. Oh, wow. This is really different. Your... your your training that you do is obviously very cool and can really help create a different kind of an atmosphere for those of us who are investing. So I love that. Yeah. And my tenants love me too. I mean, every single time they leave, I have to tell you, I went through two turnovers in the last year. They found my new renters. My tenants before they left found my new renters. I don't even have to advertise anymore. 
Oh, that is very, very cool. I love that. I'd love to learn more about that. And Mindful Tribe, I'm sure you would too, if you're involved in investing or even thinking about it. So so just think about Monika, because she's got some very interesting answers to this. Because it can be stressful being a landlord, that's for sure. I want to I want to switch things over, and I want to talk about the subject of bullying. Were you ever bullied? Oh my goodness! <laughs> so um, my parents moved to a tiny little town, um, and this was in 1969. Okay. And I was the only non-white person in my school. Wow! wow. So I was just tormented constantly bullied tormented humiliated constantly and look at you smiling still like wow you obviously didn't take it on and and live with it for your lifetime no I did take it on I was very lonely um that bullying turned into really horrible bullying as a teenager when boys took advantage of me um so horrible things happened but the thing is that at one point I realize that life was not going to continue to be that way for me if I was going to continue to live. And I really was considering, did I want to continue to live? Wow. And what age was that? That was probably about the age of 25. Tell us a story about that day when you actually made that decision. Do you remember that specific day? I do. Tell us. Things had been really, really rough for me. So I had been tormented, horrible things had happened. And then I was in a horrible car accident in 1991. It was not my fault, but I became a cripple. I was a dancer at the time, and my biggest dream was to be an international dancer. And here, my legs have been taken away. And they wanted to put me in a chair, and I did not want to be in a chair because I wanted to walk. I wanted to dance, right? Mm -hmm. So things got really, got worse and worse. And um, because I couldn't walk, I spent a lot of time in bed. And I remember one day, this day that you're talking about, one day I was in bed and I had been in bed crying for about a week. I had fallen into a huge depression. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I had the thought, like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And there was a little voice inside of me that was like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. You, you have to keep living. Like you can't, you know, fortunately, there was still a little piece inside of me that wanted to, to be alive. And anybody who has been depressed has heard all the things about, you know, the longer you're in bed, the worse it gets. So I knew that in the, the one of the ways to pull myself out of this was to get out of bed, go for a walk, get some air. I needed to do something. Right. So I pushed over the, off the covers and I tried to get out of bed and my legs were so weak, I fell to the ground. So I still wasn't walking properly or, you know, so I fell to the ground and at that moment I sort of like pushed myself up against the bed so I could sit up and I cried and I prayed. And the prayer was, God, please have mercy. I can't keep doing this. So either bring me home or teach me how to live. And literally an hour later, a girlfriend of mine who hadn't talked to me in about two years called me out of the blue. Fortunately, I had the phone next to my bed in case there was an emergency Mm -hmm. and picked up the phone. She turned me on to a coach who then changed my life. You tell an amazing story. Wow. He brought you back out of that depression. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very, very grateful for oh, that. Wow. That's, that is so powerful to hear your story because that's how you truly understand bliss because you've been at the other side. Right. And I don't ever want people to suffer the way that I suffered. But do you feel that we have to suffer at least in some way in order to experience true bliss? That's such a good question. I want to say no, but I think that the reality is in order to part of the big, my biggest strategy for bliss is really about feeling gratitude. And there's a big chapter about that in the book. And I talk a lot about that in a different way than most people talk about it. And in order to really feel gratitude, you have to know what it's like to not have those things. You do. Um, And I wish that people who are who've never experienced sadness could feel that kind of gratitude. But it seems like just having met so many people that they, if you haven't experienced the challenges, it's really, really hard to relate to the gratitude. So unfortunately, I do believe that we need to have a level of contrast. We don't have to have the level of suffering I've had, but we need to have some contrast in order to be able to to feel that true contentment and joy and bliss. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Who, I, I just want to switch here to five quick answer questions. If you would yes. just uh, give us really short answers because we are moving toward the end of the interview, but who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness, Monica? Um, two people, my parents. Um, they've taught me about hard work determination, focus, breathing, prayer, and joy. Mm, Beautiful. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Mindfulness is all about (laughs) affecting our emotions. That's what emotional mastery really is for me. So that's how I live. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness. And of course, we already talked about this, but maybe you can just sum it up. Yeah. I actually do a moving meditation every single morning. I'm a dancer. I got my legs back and I still get to dance. And so for 10 minutes every morning, I do a moving meditation and breathing is a really, really big piece of integrating my mind, my heart and my body. Mm. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Forgive me, I don't have one that I can recommend about that. But I will say the the books that have influenced me the most have been um, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't seem like a mindfulness book, but he does talk about things like the mastermind. And mindfulness is a part of paying attention to the mastermind inside of you, all those personalities, all those needs and dreams. It truly is. It truly is. Can you share an app? which helps you to be more mindful. Maybe it's a production app. Maybe it's, I don't know. <laughs> You're going to laugh about this. I'm not going to tell you the exact app. But, <laughs> but in the morning, one of the things that I love to do is just play a little game on my phone because it makes me feel successful. 
it puts play and joy and chi- this childlike spirit into my life. So I will always, for 10 minutes every morning, I play a little game on my phone. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There really isn't. Unless you play it for 23 and a half hours. No, I don't do that. <laughs> and you it's don't that do that. Playfulness that happens, you know? I love that. Yeah, you talked about playfulness in your book. Let's just, yeah. let's just end our interview by talking a little bit about playfulness. Yeah. So I always tell people play is the way because unless you have the experience of playfulness, there's like this curiosity, there's joy, there's learning. All of those things are wrapped up in the experience of play and it opens us up to to experience and learn and so much more so that we can become our bigger selves and it releases our minds so we don't have all that stress. I truly, truly agree with you. I love spending time teaching children, little children, being around kids, because they understand play. They yeah. aren't all caught up in this thing, oh, I better get doing some work now, <laughs> you know, right. because they believe that play is their work. Right. And as adults, we lose that. And it's unfortunate because it can make us so much bigger, you know. Right. It has been such a joy to spend this time with you, Monika. And I just want you to share with Mindful Tribe, how can we reach out to you? How can we connect with you? Yeah, so I love to get emails. So people can email me directly at monika at coreblisslife.com. And I'm all about living bliss from your core. So it's C-O-R-E, bliss life. You can also get a free report, which is my gift to your tribe, um, that really describes how I built my Blissful Wealth. And they can get that at blissfulinvestor.com. And then, of course, if they want to get the book, it's called Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. And they can get that on Amazon. Right. And I've really enjoyed your book, Monika. So choose bliss. Just Google that. And Monika is a very interesting, beautiful spelling. M-O-N-E-E-K-A. I love hearing from listeners. I love hearing what people think of the book. I would love people to download the strategy from blissfulinvestor.com and let me know what they think of it and how it might be able to apply to them. Okay. And so your email address once again? Monika at coreblisslife.com. Okay, and that free gift is at blissfulinvestor.com. All of these details will be in our show notes, so check out our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And it's been such a pleasure to, to have you here sharing all of your wisdom, all of your joy, and of course, all of your bliss. Thank you so much for being here on Mindfulness Mode, Monica. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. My pleasure. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.